Good to see you this morning. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Romans chapter 1. We're starting uh, the book of Romans. On Wednesday nights, we'll be doing in-depth study of our weekend text. So looking at Romans chapter 1 in a deeper way. You guys excited for Romans? I'm, I'm excited for Romans. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that we can be in your house and study your word together. Thank you that you're with us, that you're in our midst. Thank you for the truths that we find in the book of Romans. God, would you bless this study? Would you open up our hearts and our minds? We humble ourselves before you and ask that you would teach us. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we're going to launch the book of Romans. Look at the first seven verses. This is Paul's introduction of his letter. And the book of Romans is so powerful. It has touched and changed so many lives. St. Augustine, who is a great theologian of the past, writes that he came to know Christ as a Savior through a few verses of Romans chapter 13. Martin Luther, as he was struggling with legalism, really trying to have a relationship with God based on his own works, was saved, was born again, was set free by Romans 1.17, the just shall live by faith, he went on to lead the Great Reformation, to really bring people to the gospel and the grace of God. John Wesley, who was used powerfully in the 18th century, was reading Martin Luther's commentary on the book of Romans. He was in the introduction, in the preface, and he said he had a strange, warm feeling upon his heart as God touched his heart with the the grace of God, and he went to be used powerfully by the Lord and lead many to Christ. For some of you, the book of Romans is a good friend. You have some truths that are dear to your heart that have changed you and transformed you. Maybe it's Romans 5.8, but God demonstrated his love towards us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Maybe it's Romans 8.1, that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But for others of you, this is your first time through the book of Romans. You're like, I really don't know much about the book of Romans. Whether you've been through it many times or it's your first time studying or somewhere in between, God has so much for us in this book. Not just that he changed Martin Luther's life and St. Augustine's life and John Wesley's life, but he wants to do a, a transformative work in our lives as well. The book of Romans has a very simple outline. The first 11 chapters deal with the mercy of God. They deal with the grace of God, the gospel. It's laid out in great detail for us of really knowing God's favor expressed through Jesus Christ and our belief in the mercies of God. So that's chapters 1 through 11, belief in the mercies of God. But then chapters 12 through 16 is behavior. And notice that belief comes before behavior. Knowing the goodness of God, trusting the grace of God, living in his grace, that that then affects behavior. A lot of times we put Christian living before belief. We try to get Christian living right without really understanding the grace and the mercy of God. A little bit of background before we jump in this morning is is who wrote the book of Romans? It's Paul. How do we know? Because first one tells us. So 
it's very clear that Paul is writing this letter to the church of Rome. He tells us who the recipients are. It is the believers that are in Rome. Rome, the large city, the Mecca of the Roman Empire, a pagan city. The book of Romans should encourage us that gospel movements are able to take hold in the midst of pagan cities. Cities that are dark, cities that don't know Christ as their Savior. That's what took place for Rome. There, there's hope for Colorado Springs. There might be hope for Denver, I'm not sure. <laughs> but the power of the gospel can rock the, the darkest cities, whether it's Portland, Oregon, or it's, it's Las Vegas, or you name the city. God has the ability through the gospel to, to touch those, those cities. The purpose that Paul is writing is really threefold. One is he wants the church to know that he is planning to visit, that he wants to get to Rome to, to visit them. His main reason in writing is he wants to give a full definition and understanding of the gospel, the goodness of of God. The goodness of God, the gospel, is the theme of the the book of Romans, that we receive God's righteousness imputed to us through what Christ has done uh, for us. Also, the last reason he writes, as you can imagine in Rome, there would be a lot of Gentile believers, but there would also be some Jewish believers. And this is a, a huge tension between the Jews and the Gentiles. But now they're one together. They're not used to being in a relationship. Now they're in relationship in the gospel. And Paul wants to see that Jew-Gentile tension diminish. I was talking with a friend who does ministry over in the Middle East and really tries to keep tabs on believers in the Holy Land. And he was saying that he was able to sit in a living room, a family room, with some Jewish believers and Palestinian believers, and they were coming together uh, for fellowship, and how much it cost both groups to, to come together in fellowship in that way. And here in the Holy Land in 2022, the Jew-Gentile divide is still very real, isn't it? And so that's one of the reasons that Paul wrote and he expressed this uh, to the church. For us this morning, these seven verses really divide out this way. Kent Hughes gives a, a good outline of these seven verses. In verse 1, Paul shares the view of himself, how he views himself. And then in verses 2 through 4, it's his view of his preaching. And verse 5 is the view of his commission or his calling. And then lastly, in verses 6 and 7, it's the view of Roman believers and us as well, his view of, of all believers. Verse 1, Paul Let's stop there for a while. (laughs) Paul. Paul who was Saul. His name Saul means desired one. So he had this name of being desired. And from Saul's life, we understand that he was a Jew of Jews. He was a Pharisee. This sect of Jewish believers that would set themselves aside to try to fulfill the law. Unfortunately... They didn't accept Christ as their Savior. They were committed to the Old Testament, but they rejected Christ. And they saw Christ as a a threat to their Judaism. He was circumcised on the eighth day. He was driven to persecute Christians. He was like a dog that was just feverish to try to see Christians arrested and killed. And the book of Acts says he would wreak havoc upon the church. 
He's someone that the voice of martyrs would write about. On the road to Damascus. And Jesus calls him out. Jesus calls him by name and says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? You think that you're persecuting these Christians, but you're, you're persecuting me. And Saul responds and he says, who are you, Lord? He answers his own question. He knows who is talking to him. God allows him to be blind. And Paul asks this question. He says, Lord, what do you want me to do? I don't think that Paul ever stopped asking that question. Sometimes when I ask that question of the Lord, it's like, Lord, what do you want me to do? Here's some options for you. How about A, B, or C? I'm really available. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. By the way, I really like A. And Paul surrendered his life. That's, that's how he lived his life. God got a hold of his life and changed him and transformed him. Where he was Saul, now he was Paul. Interestingly enough, God gave him the name Paul, and Paul means little. That's God's work in our life. He, he humbles us in a good way. Paul's life is a testimony to how the gospel, the goodness of God, everything that Paul's going to write about in Romans, how God is able to get a hold of a life and change it for his glory. If you're wrestling this morning, can God love me? Can God change me? This is the background that I grew up in. This is the family that, that I grew up in. This is the sin that I carry. Yes, God's able to do that in his love through the death and, and resurrection of Christ. Our lives are a testimony for those of us that know Christ as our Savior, that God saves sinners, that God loves sinners, that he's able to save us from the guttermost, from the uttermost, from the deepest places of our depravity. It's also helpful for us to see the world this way. When you see someone who is lost and even antagonistic to the things of God, which we're seeing more and more, Realize that that could be the next Apostle Paul. God has the ability to be able to save and transform and, and bring them into the kingdom of God. How does Paul view himself? If you're taking notes, this is number one. Paul's view of himself, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. He doesn't introduce himself as the majestic apostle. He doesn't introduce himself as the well-known author on the New York's best time selling list, he introduces himself as a bondservant. Well, what does a bondservant mean? It literally means a slave by choice. In Exodus chapter 21, the Hebrews were only allowed to have a Hebrew servant, a Hebrew slave, a fellow Hebrew for six years. And then in the seventh year, they were to let that slave go free. But if one of the slaves found themselves to love their master, that their master was good and kind, they could choose to be their slave, be their servant for life. They would have their left ear pierced as a sign of that, and they were called a bondservant. And Paul is using this from the Old Testament and saying, I have found God to be good. <laughs> Haven't you found God to be good? Haven't you found him to be a, a wonderful master? a loving father, where I'm choosing to serve the Lord and I find my identity in serving the Lord. I find my identity in, God, what do you have for me to do today? Paul is following in the footsteps of Jesus in Mark 10, 45. It says, the Son of Man came, 
Not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. When Jesus came into the room, he came in to serve. He came to look to meet needs. He came to listen and love and care for people, wash feet, tell people the the truth. He came to serve to the point where it led him to go to the cross to die for our sins. And Paul says, this is the way I want to live my life as a servant unto the Lord. When we choose to submit ourselves to the Father, to, to serve God, this is when the abundant life is opened up to us. It's counter our flesh. Our flesh says, if I'm in control and I do everything I want, then I'm going to have life. But Jesus said, if you seek to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you're going to find it. How many people are there in the world that have everything that the world has to offer, but they're absolutely empty? Because they haven't found the joy of surrendering to the Lord. This is a daily decision. Our flesh wakes up and says, Team Eric. That's the way that I wake up in my sinful flesh. But the Spirit of God inside of me is saying, Eric, serve. Serve God. Serve others. The Christian life is really exciting when we approach each day. Holy Spirit, what do you have for me today? How can I serve you today? What are those divine appointments that you would place in front of me? And I got to tell you, sometimes the divine appointment is the dishes. It's doing the laundry. It's picking up some trash. That, but that's the spirit of God to, to serve God. I'm a bond servant. This is my identity. Called to be an apostle. Paul knew that he was called. He wants the church of Rome to know that this is not a self-appointment. That the Lord was the one who had called him to be able to do this. In Galatians chapter 1, Paul speaking of his calling says, But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Paul says, I was separated from the womb. God had this plan for me to be saved by his grace and to preach the gospel among the Gentiles. The word apostle means sent out. Paul was sent out to start new churches, to pioneer new works. He was not one that would stay in one location for very long. He wouldn't wouldn't pastor in, in one church for years and years and years. He would go around to cities. He loved to go to cities where lost people were, share the gospel, and see God work to birth uh, a church. He was an apostle, and he was called by the Lord uh, to do that. Separated to the gospel of God. I love this. This is worth meditating upon. As, as Paul views himself, he says, I've been set apart for the gospel, for the purpose of the gospel. There's a lot of endeavors in life that we set ourselves apart for. Getting through education, certain hobbies, certain sports, work, family. I'm set apart. I'm passionate about this endeavor. And Paul says, above everything else, I'm set apart for the gospel. What's the gospel? That's a good question to to ask. We're going to be talking a lot about the gospel over the next few weeks. In 1 Corinthians 15, God tells us what the gospel is. The gospel is this, that Jesus died for our sins and was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's the good news. That God gave his son, his beloved son, to die on the cross for our sins, was buried and rose again. And Paul says, I want people to know the gospel. Here he's been 
saved. Here he's been brought out of darkness. God bringing him out of this past of persecuting Christians, this unlikely pastor, this unlikely apostle. The church was afraid of Paul at first because they thought, maybe this is some kind of trick and he's actually going to arrest me. He was a trophy of God's grace and he had this passion to want to see people come to know Christ as their Savior. Church brothers and sisters in Christ, I think this is an awesome time in human history right now for there to be a gospel movement. There has been turmoil throughout the world in this last two years in a way that we haven't seen in our lifetime. People are questioning, people are confused, people are are depressed, suicide is up at an incredible rate. And all of this confusion, all of this, this chaos and this darkness is an opportunity for the gospel to impact hearts and impact lives in a, in a tremendous way. And actually the numbers uh, during COVID in 2020 is a lot of people came to know Christ as their Savior. And that's not a story that's told very well, but God wasn't stopped through the midst of quarantine. And as people's lives stopped and were put on pause, some people reflected and saw their need and their love for God in their lives, God's love for them in in their lives. We have a tendency to think that, well, man, Paul, Paul was qualified to be able to take the, the gospel out, but I don't think Paul felt that way. I think Paul was aware of his sin and aware of his past, and it was only the grace of God that allowed him to go out and share and preach uh, the gospel. Unfortunately, there's this misnomer that, well, maybe pastors and missionaries and those who work at nonprofits, maybe they're able to communicate the gospel, but, but I don't really know where to start with the gospel. I don't have my act together. I've got sin. I've got struggles. I, I don't know enough. So, so I'll allow someone else to, to share the gospel. The Bible is filled with broken messed up people just like us they came to know Christ as their savior filled with the Holy Spirit and God uses broken people not experts there's no such thing as as professionals and would we be available to be separated unto the gospel ultimately we're not just going to work to earn a paycheck we don't live in our neighborhood just to have a comfortable place to live but you're strategically placed in your neighborhood, in your apartment complex, at your workplace, with your family, and with your friends. You're equipped. John 3.16. I think John 3.16 is, is a wonderful way to share the gospel. Knowing the testimony of what God has done in your life. This is a great time to invite people to church. If you know somebody that used to be in the habit of going to church, and they haven't come in a long time, invite them to come. I'm going to be bold this morning, and if you're on live stream and you haven't been to church in two years, we'd like to invite you in person. We're, we're glad that you're on live stream. We're so thankful for live stream, but we would love to have you here. We would love to see your face and shake your hand. If you're in another state, another country, man, get in, in fellowship. This is a great time to invite people into fellowship, those that don't know the Lord. Most people come to church through personal invitation. It's not through social media. It's not through a flyer that they get in the mail. God uses those things. But it's you saying, hey, why don't you come with me? I'll meet you in the foyer and show you around. And we'll, we'll sit 
uh, together. It's a great time to be sharing the gospel. It's a great time to be reaching out with the love of Jesus Christ. Because as things get dark, the gospel shines the brighter. The love of God shines the brighter, doesn't it? Friendliness, kindness, respect seems to be going dormant in our culture and society. So when you look somebody in the eye and say, how are you today? That really resonates the the love of God. When you take time to spend time with someone that radiates the love of God. When you meet a need in the name of Jesus. When we speak the gospel, it's powerful. Number two, Paul's view of his preaching, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Paul wants the Church of Rome to know that he's called, but also that he didn't make up this message. That this message, the gospel, was promised through the Old Testament, through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures. And there's so many references to the gospel throughout the Old Testament. We have a prophecy that there would be the virgin birth. We have a prophecy that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem, Micah 5.2. There's prophecy of his crucifixion, Psalms 22 and Isaiah 53, long before crucifixion was ever invented. Psalm 16 speaks of Christ's resurrection. That's just to name a few. As we read the Old Testament, we read it with a gospel lens, with a gospel mindset of saying this is all leading up to God sending his son to be the sacrifice for our sins. Paul goes into understanding of who Jesus is concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who is born of the seed of David according to the flesh, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We oftentimes say, Jesus Christ, our Lord, but do we know what those words mean? Do we know what we're saying? Jesus means Savior. That's what the name Jesus means, Savior of our sins. When, when you say the name of Jesus, when we sang, what a beautiful name it is, Jesus We're celebrating the fact that he's our savior, that he came to save us from our sins. Christ means Messiah, anointed one, the one that's promised in the Old Testament to save us from our sins. Christ is Messiah and Lord is that he's our master, that we understand you have authority in my life. You're the Lord of Lords. You're the the King of Kings. Also, Jesus is born of the seed of David according to the flesh. This speaks of the humanity of Christ. That God would come in human flesh. This is beyond what our minds can comprehend. We we try to think about what it's like for God to come in human flesh, to be born of the seed of David from the lineage of of David. We think of things like, man, if if I were to become a grasshopper, what, what would that be like? That would just be this in tremendous uh, step down you know sometimes as a a parent when your kids are little and you you get on their level with a two-year-old and you you play with them for a while you you feel this I'm stepping into their world that's nothing there's no analogy that can even come close to to here's God who spoke everything into existence who now takes on flesh In order to be the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Jesus understands the human experience. He was tempted with sin, but yet he never sinned. To where we have a faithful and merciful high priest. He understands rejection. He was a man of sorrows. God got the stomach flu. 
in his humanity. He understood what it was like to work hard as, as a carpenter. He came in human flesh. The, wor- the word dwelt among us. And verse 4, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So, so Jesus' humanity is emphasized in verse 3, but his deity is emphasized in verse 4, declared to be the Son of God. He's God's Son. He's God. Two times the Father speaks audibly from heaven. He's saying, this is my beloved Son. This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. He has the power according to the spirit of holiness. Important to understand with Jesus that he never sinned, that he's holy. Imagine never sinning. Imagine just even going through one day without sinning. But Christ never sinned. He never sinned. The spirit of holiness to where when he died on the cross, it was the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And by the power of God, he was raised from the dead. The resurrection proves the deity of Christ. It proves that that Jesus is the Son of God. He claimed to be God, declared himself as God, but he backed it up by rising from the dead. If he didn't rise from the dead, he wouldn't have fulfilled his claim. Then you could question whether he's God or not, but because the tomb is empty, because he rose from from the dead, we know in fact that that he is God. I got a kick out of this. I I read this uh, this week. It was about a man named LePew who came up with his own religion and he's talking with his friend, Talleyrand, and he's frustrated because this new religion is not taking hold. Could you imagine that? I'm just going to create my own religion. And he felt that his own religion was better than Christianity. And this is his friend Talleyrand's response. Mr. LePew, to ensure success for your new religion, all you need to do is have yourself crucified and then rise again from the dead on the third day. (laughs) If you want to test religions, test them by the crucifixion and the resurrection. Has this leader been crucified from sin and rose from the dead three days later, just as they have predicted? In verse 5, Through him, we've received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. This is Paul's view of his commission, number three. Through him, underline that, through him, we have received grace. The reason that we can have God's grace in our lives is because of Christ. By believing the gospel, by believing the good news, we're in Christ. And being in Christ, God then lavishes favor on us. There's a good acronym with grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. G-R-A-C-E. God forgiving us of our sins. God filling us with the Spirit. God giving us eternal home. God making us his sons, his daughters. This morning, if you're in Christ, you have God's favor. You have received God's grace. You're living in the mercy of God. Part of this mercy of God is calling. God saves us and he calls us. Paul says, through him we've received grace and apostleship. The reason that Paul could go out and start these churches and see God work to transform these dark communities was because of this same grace that saved him. 
If you take the time today to read Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, read another verse into to verse 10, where we're told by God that we're saved by grace through faith. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. But then it goes on to say, we're created in Christ for good works that he's prepared beforehand. We're his workmanship created for good works. So in this context of God saving us by grace, he also calls us by grace. The word workmanship in the Greek is poema. The idea is God's masterpiece, his poem. So he's like, okay, I'm going I'm to save Eric by my grace, and then I've got good works for him to walk in that I've ordained, I've set in place, all as an expression of God's grace. Have you ever played sports growing up? Wasn't it miserable to sit the bench? I played some basketball, played some baseball, and I was terrible at baseball. So they always stuck me out in right field. And that's the daisy picker position. <laughs> Little league baseball fields, you know, there's, there's daisies that are coming up. No one really hits the ball out in right field in, in Little League. So you're just out there kind of picking daisies and do my thing and just distracted and like whatever. Play my three innings and then sit, sit the bench. You just like you got your token uh, playing time that was out there. I wanted to play more than that. I wanted to get, get, it, get in the action. And Sometimes I think when we look at the, the Christian life, we kind of see all the things that we're not supposed to do. This is the sin I'm not, not supposed to do. But then we just feel like we're kind of sitting the bench, that we, we're purposeless. There's, God can't use me. He doesn't have anything for me. And because of our position in Christ, not because of our strengths or our weaknesses or our abilities, but as an expression of God's grace, he saves us and he calls us and he uses us so that his grace and his goodness could be known. And that's what we see in Paul's life. Wow, God saved him. He's this unlikely apostle. Here's these devoted Jew and he goes to reach Gentiles, even though he really wanted to go to the Jews. God's got a sense, sense of humor all these churches are birthed and these wonderful letters are, are written. But the key for us to meditate and think upon in Ephesians chapter 2 is we've got to walk in those good works. God's provided them. He's given us the grace for them. It's for us to have the faith to trust the Lord and say, Okay, Lord, I'm, I'm going to love this neighbor in Jesus' name. I'm going to endeavor to love my spouse in a way that glorifies you. I, I'm going to see my coworkers differently and start praying for them. And especially that one that's antagonistic to the gospel. God, you won Paul. You, you can win that, that co-worker. God, you've been stirring my heart for young people, for teens, for, for third graders. I'm going to take a step and, and get involved and volunteer in children's ministry or youth ministry. So God puts that work in front of us and then it's for us to, to walk in it. In verse 6, among whom you also are called of Jesus Christ. This finally, the fourth point is Paul's view of Roman believers and us. He says, you also are called of, of Jesus Christ. It's not just me that has this calling, but you have a calling as well. Have you ever considered that for yourself, that you are called? It's not that, well, some are called and some others are not called, but we're all called. We're all called to to love Christ. We're all called to serve, serve the body, to serve believers. We're all called to, 
the Great Commission, which is to go out and to make disciples. Paul says, you're called of, of Jesus Christ. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, according, called to be saints. To all who are in Rome, receiving this letter in the heart of the Roman Empire, he says, church, I want you to know that you're loved by God. Church, be reminded, Rocky Mountain Calvary, you're loved by God. You're beloved. That's what the scripture declares to us. That's what we know because Christ died for our sins. We're loved by God and we're called to be saints. The word saints is set apart for holiness. Biblically, you're a saint if you're in Christ. I don't feel like a saint. You probably don't feel like a saint saint either, but God calls us saints because of our position in Christ. Sainthood is not something that, that you receive after you're dead and a committee gets together and say, oh, you are an exceptional person, so you're a saint. It speaks of the calling that God has placed upon us to be set apart for holiness. Paul ends this introduction in verse 7. It says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace was the Greek greeting. Peace was the Hebrew greeting, shalom. This is an expression of God saving Jews and and Gentiles. But it was much more than just a common hello. Grace and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Paul's writing to believers that do know the grace of God and do know the peace of God. But Paul is praying and saying and declaring, may you experience a fresh outpouring of, of God's grace, and of God's peace. This is a phrase that's used often in the New Testament, and you'll never find it in reversed order. Isn't that interesting? Peace and grace from God our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, grace is always first. You're never really going to know the peace of God until you understand the grace of God. We have peace with God when we know his grace in Christ Jesus. His unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor. But if we don't know his grace and we're relying upon our own strengths and our own efforts, we're not going to have peace. Oh, I read my Bible today, so God must be good with me. Oh, I didn't read my Bible today, so so God must be mad at me. I remembered my tithe check this month. God's good with me. Oh, I didn't remember my tithe check. God's, God's mad at me. There's not a lot of peace in that. Well, I brought what I need to to the situation, so I've got peace. I'm doing what I am supposed to do, so so I have peace. I don't know about you, but I never do all that I'm supposed to do. We're not going to experience a lot of peace, even in situations, if we're relying upon ourselves. But if we're trusting in the goodness of God, expressed in the death and resurrection of Christ, the grace of God, God, you're gracious, you're good, I'm trusting in your grace, then I'm going to know the peace of God in my life. Application for us uh, this morning is, as we read the book of Romans uh, together, let's study it together. I know for me, I I get a lot more out of it when I'm listening to a study, participating in a study, if I read ahead. So I'd encourage you, read ahead in Romans chapter 1. It's the joy of studying a book verse by verse and and chapter by chapter. And start to underline and write down, down questions And maybe go back to a message. You think back on this message later today, later in this week, and go, Lord, what will you really speaking uh, to me? Something that's fun here at RMC is our children's ministry and our youth ministry 
are studying the same section of scripture. So if, if you pick up a junior hyper, I mean a junior higher uh, this morning, <laughs> you say, hey, what did you think of, of Romans chapter one? What did you think of Paul who was, was Saul? If you've got a third grader, say, hey, what did you think of, of Romans chapter one? Doug, our children's pastor, this is a, worth a walk down into children's ministry, is dressed up like a Roman soldier this morning. And and he's introducing himself as Cornelius. So, so this is a fun way to, to study the book of, of Romans uh, together. If you've got the joy of coming with family or friends and you're driving home, say, hey, what did you think about the message? Well, let's press into Romans and see what God would have for us. And for this morning, to know the grace of God, know the goodness of God that saves us and also calls us. Let's stand together and let's pray. Father, we take a, a moment to, to wait upon you, to enjoy being in your presence together. We thank you for your grace that's in Christ Jesus. We would be so lost without your grace. We would be so lost without you, Jesus, dying for our sins and, and rising again. And when you remind us of that great love, For those that haven't trusted you, Christ, for salvation, would you communicate your love to them? Would you knock upon the door of their heart of their life and call them unto you? And Father, thank you so much by your grace that you call us. Even before we were in the womb, you knew us and engineered us and designed us. You've given spiritual gifts to us. And our heart breaks for this world. Our heart breaks for those that don't know you. We want to be separated under the gospel. We want to live our lives with purpose. We choose afresh this morning, Jesus, to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? We're surrendered to you.